my babies. We are back. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the first episode of season three of Friendless, the only podcast about how to lose all your Facebook friends one hour at a time. As always, I'm your long lost host, James Avramenko, back from the cold of hiatus, from the long darkness of no podcasting land. That's right, I have returned with an all new bundle of interviews for your listening pleasure. <laughs> Uh, So my initial idea for season three was going to be centered entirely around uh, high school, just high school friends. That was it. The plan didn't really come to fruition. A lot of talks kind of fizzled out. Totally cool. All good. Uh, But luckily, it may not have worked for the entire season, but it did work for this episode because I have my old high school friend and fellow UVic alumni, Nazneen Doyle, on the show. Now, Naz is currently a junior high teacher, something we talk extensively about in the interview, but she was also instrumental in the recent, uh, call it the agitation at UVic, to assess the systemic change that's needed in their treatment of the BIPOC and female student body. Um, we talk quite extensively about how schools are adapting, or not so much adapting, to the new demands of keeping school uh, students and schools safe, as well as our mutual history of being beaten up by theater school and the emotional scars from that experience. So I'd been away for a while. I took a lot longer hiatus than I expected I would, um, but uh, it has been so, so needed, so refreshing, and I am back now and ready to produce. Um, but I, I do feel like I want to caveat right from the start of the season I do believe that this sort of like create things all the time and always be producing mentality is super unhealthy. So I'm going to simply commit to creating as much as I can when I can. And if I need to take another break, I'm going to. Uh, If I ever need to do anything like that, I will give everybody fair warning. But, uh, you know, maybe this is just putting too much energy into hypotheticals that haven't even happened yet. But uh, I just thought it would be worth kind of saying right off the top. But the truth of the matter is, I'm just so excited to be back podcasting. I'm so excited to be back with you, whoever you are. I love you. I genuinely love you. And I just thank you for being here with me for this wild ride. Um, But without further ado, let's jump right into the episode and listen to Naz Doyle talking about friendship and how to cope as a teacher in the times of COVID. Holy shit. Nazneen Doyle, how the hell are you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Uh, it's been a wild couple of weeks, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I had a good day. I um so we go way far back. We go into the before oh, yeah. even the before times. Uh, into grade the, ten, baby. Oh, grade ten. But uh, I let's see because we went to university. I guess the last time I saw you was probably close to about ten years ago now. Wouldn't it have been? Jesus Christ. I know. Time is fucking gross. Especially, like, let alone the elasticity of, like, COVID times, but just in general, <laughs> time terrible. sucks. But, it sure um, does. But, um, so, so let's start at our start. Um, I want to just dive right into what you remember, if you remember, how we met. Well, we were uh, both at the same high school. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, can I say the name? I think so. I don't think that's libelous. <laughs> I mean, I don't think so either. I'm not going to talk shit about the school. Uh, we went to Bonus High School in Calgary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we would have met in grade 10, which yep. would have been like 2002, 2003-ish. There, yeah. I can't remember which semester of grade 10 we met. But I was aware of you before I actually knew you because you were the only boy in dance. <laughs> My reputation preceded me, did it? Yeah, you were the only boy in dance. And so I kind of was like aware of you. And then I think that we like met properly because of drama stuff. Right. Of course. Of course. Yeah. Now, I remember because I don't, you know, it's funny, especially when you get into the high school years, everything just sort of blends together into one anxiety stomachache, right? But, um, but, uh, <laughs> but I definitely remember. Uh, not necessarily the exact date, but I remember you were really close friends with uh, David Miller, who um, yeah, still am, and you're still friends. That's beautiful. I love that. I'm so glad to hear oh, that. Yeah. Um, he was in my French class in grade ten, yes, French. That's correct. And uh, and I was like, I just thought he was the coolest person because you know he was like he dyed his hair and he wore cool band hoodies and so i was just like this guy and he painted his nails it was like very avant-garde for 2002 for 2002 i was like you are the bravest person i've ever oh yeah oh yeah he was a total badass fuck and then and then by proxy i felt like everybody who he deemed cool like had to be cool right like you had (laughs) you had at a minimum contact cool right you know (laughs) so there was that little group that you were part of that i was just like wow you know (laughs) right nice (laughs) fuck yeah um so we we slowly throughout the years as i remember it we we sort of you know as high school does you sort of weave in and out of knowing each other and sometimes you're in a class and sometimes you're in a not in a not but uh especially i feel like where we bonded was was especially grade 12 when yeah definitely we were because we were in the main stage together and then we were in just like every acting class we we could get together right yeah i think we were in acting together in grade 11 as well oh okay which is i think where we started becoming friends musical but i think theater. it was grade 12 for sure for sure right because we were in musical theater theater yes but i think it was grade 12 we were in like everything together and we were in a, a drama class together yeah. and we hung out a lot outside of school. Well, there was the point. there was the infamous weekend crew. Oh, well, the infamous weekend crew. The legendary yes. weekend crew. Um, yes. Now, were you a part of the 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 founding of that? Do you know the story of that? Uh, I was part of the founding of it. Oh, I don't yeah. remember how we named ourselves, but it was definitely something that came from. I'm pretty sure it was me, Elise, and Jasmine mm. came up with it. Mm-hmm. It had very distinct uh, um, uh, Breakfast Club vibes. It, I felt like extreme Breakfast Club vibes. Definitely, <laughs> I always got the feeling like y'all had watched Breakfast Club one weekend and were like, "All right, here we go, Breakfast Club weekend weekend crew." <laughs> I mean, it wasn't as explicit as all that, but sure. you know, we definitely watched the Breakfast Club many times. <laughs> um, so. You went on to um, – now, did you take a, a, a gap year? Is that what ended up happening? Because I, I did. I took one year off because I wanted to make some money. Gotcha. Okay. Because as yeah. I remember it was uh, – from my side was, um, you know, we graduated together and then I went off to UVic and then a year later you showed up. And I was like, fuck yeah. Correct. <laughs> right? Somebody I know. <laughs> and so what did you do in that, in that, uh, in that time? 
Uh, I worked. I had two different jobs. I started working at a. It was a clothing store in Market Mall. Mm. I think it was it was Blue Notes in oh, Market fuck Mall. Yeah. <laughs> I know, selling them cheap, cheap jeans. Oh man. Uh, and then I got a job through a contact of my dad's, uh, where I ended up being a receptionist at a printing company downtown called First on Color, mm-hmm. and that was actually awesome. I bet that those are the kind of I jobs was, that you you. I I never know how someone gets that job other than oh my dad knew somebody <laughs> you know that's a hundred percent why it was like I had parental connections but it was I remember it being an awesome job because I like was the receptionist but I also did all of like the like the work orders for print jobs and oh. I like did copy editing and stuff and I would like take proofs of things over to like offices downtown and I was like I'm a working girl Hell and I felt yeah. very like cool and fancy yeah. it was like a big deal for an 18 year old and oh, I, yeah. I loved that job it's it's <laughs> such a it's such an incredible like when you're young and you get this job that you've always sort of imagined is like you know big person job um mm-hmm. when you actually can accomplish it it's such a validating feeling yeah um uh did you ever go back to it did you ever go on with it no no, no. Uh, <laughs> okay. Then I I went out to uh to Victoria the right. fall of 2006, and then the rest, as they say, is history. I'm sure we'll get into it. Oh yeah, well that's that's right where we are. Um um. So when you showed up at UVic, wh- what was your takeaway from that program? You did you now did you? So for me, I um. I took five years. I, I definitely fucked up several classes, got a lot of N's, no F's, but a lot of N's, a lot of not completes. And uh, so I ended up having to take summer school and an extra year. Um, did you did you get through in a in a in a full four years or? I did five just because I kind of switched mm. gears halfway through. Uh, not for academic reasons. I was a huge fucking nerd and I did great. <laughs> <laughs> I did really well. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> but I, I switched. Kind of, I, I went in there with the, like the intent of going into acting. And then when that didn't happen, uh, I switched to applied theater, which mm-hmm. has sort of led me to my like current job as a teacher. Oh, outstanding. So so when you come out of applied theater, um, you're, you're now a, a teacher. And, and yeah. so what um, what bridges you between those two things? Well, uh, like in addition to taking th- uh, theater stuff, I also did a lot of English mm. at UVic because that's sort of my other like the thing I was passionate about at the time. Mm-hmm. And then upon graduating, I was like extremely disillusioned with theater. Oh, um, yeah. Applied or sorry, uh, my, my experience at UVic was by and large really, really bad. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how much you want to get into it, but. Suffice to say, it was not a good time, with the exception of my applied theater courses. Yeah. And in those applied theater courses, my favorite things, my favorite times were the times that I was, like, working with youth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also, uh, in, like, my last two years of school there, I was also volunteering with this um, nonprofit. I don't think it exists anymore, but it was called Capital Families Association, and they had this, like, evening like student drama program thing. And uh, another person in applied theater was like the like director of that program. And so I volunteered uh, with that program and we did some like collective devising work with kids. And it was like, it was just really rewarding. It was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when I graduated, I was kind of at loose ends and I I didn't really know like what I wanted to do or where I wanted to go, but I, I had these moments that were really joyful for me. And I also had this other like huge passion for English. And I was like, well, why don't I 
pursue becoming an English teacher. Mm-hmm. And I did. And now I am. And it was 100% the right choice. That's beautiful. I love that. That's such, yeah. it's so yeah. it's so wonderful when you hear someone pivot and 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 stick the landing, right? Like, oh, I love my job. Like yeah. there's nothing else I'd rather do. It's the best. What um do you have a specific grade or do you uh teach multiple levels? Uh for most of my career so far, I, I was teaching high school English, okay. so grade 10, 11, and 12. Mm-hmm. But I recently, uh, so this September, I'm in a new school teaching grade 8 oh, uh, no. humanities. So it's language arts and social studies. Mm-hmm. So it's a bit of a switch. Littler. Oh, littler I, yeah. You know, it's funny because I, 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 um, I've always thought if I wanted, if I, you know, if I was going to teach, I'd be trying to teach high school, but I I have such a deep respect for junior high teachers because I for me junior high was probably the worst 3 years of my childhood and so I feel like the teachers who are in that time period who have to deal with that constantly day in day out with you know 30 of the most miserable uh 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 what do you call it um hormonal little shitheads yeah. right like yeah totally it's just a battlefield <laughs> it is a tough time like my junior high experience was also terrible and i think i think that's like all the more reason you know to to want to be there and work with them because yeah. they need you know they need adults who like mm-hmm. care about them and are like really invested in them so i i really like it like i did i, I taught junior high in my practicum mm. and i really liked them like they're basically the human equivalent of puppies like their feet are too big <laughs> they're not good at like maneuvering their bodies through space yep. their voices are all weird they've got strange smells and they're just really sweet yeah they're really sweet they're just like precious babies and i really really like them oh that's so wonderful it's it's sort yeah, of they it's, crack me up. it's just it's it's really wonderful also to hear teachers with um with you know I, i'm not saying that these are teachers i know but i have definitely heard teachers you know speak with such a almost vitriol about their students and this resentment oh, 100%. right 100%. and and it's like i don't understand it because it's like you, you're you are like you hold these precious little jewels in your hand and if you do your job right you you change lives forever real um, if you don't like kids, get the hell out. Right? Like, Let what somebody are you doing? else who wants to do it do your job. Definitely. Like, definitely. There's there's easier ways to make a very middle of the road living. <laughs> I was gonna say you're not exactly rolling in it, you know. No, I don't you don't do this because you wanna like get super paid. Like totally. I make enough money. I'm not like complaining or anything, sure. but like, you know, I could I could go into oil and gas and be getting a lot more money and put in probably fewer hours yeah <laughs> you know what Good i mean Lord. so yeah you gotta love it. so in terms of uh teaching these days so we're in a really unique spot um this week was the first week back for you right it was indeed and um how <laughs> and how was it <laughs> listen it has been buck wild yeah it's been wild um, like I, I would say overall, I'm really glad to be back. Uh, we had to go fully online in March and I hate teaching online. I hate it. Yeah. There's no part of me that's well suited to it. I'm an extrovert. I need to get out of my house. I need to be around people. I need to see my kids. Mm-hmm. So it was awful teaching online. So in that regard, I'm really happy to be back. Uh, but there's so many like 
new like rules and regulations in place. There's a lot of things that are still up in the air. There's a lot of unanswered questions. Mm -hmm. Um, and it feels like we're sort of building the plane as we fly it. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> it's wild. Now, in um, terms of, um, so for instance, like uh, trying just for, because, you know, I, I'm not somebody who's got any right to be anywhere near a school these days. So <laughs> I, <laughs> on any level. <laughs> and so what would like a, what would a typical day for a student look like these days? Like in terms of within the, the, the sort of parameters of this new, this new normal. <laughs> so I think things probably look different in high school, but in right. my school, which is a middle school of grades five to nine, um, the kids are not allowed to enter the building until 15 minutes before the bell and then teachers go out and they open the doors. Every grade has a designated door that they have to come in mm-hmm. and a designated stairwell that they have to use to get up to their room to sort of like mitigate crowding mm-hmm. and bottlenecking. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids have to have masks on. We've got like tape lines down the center of, of the hallways so that you like you write you walk on the right side. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a car. Um all of the desks are in like individual rows with as much space between the desks as we possibly can, which is not two meters because no. that's not possible How could in your be? average classroom. No, like not with, you know, however many kids you've got. Um, so yeah, they wear masks basically all day. They're in the same classroom all day in their cohort and the teachers are moving. Oh. So I'm moving, but my kids are staying. Okay. Uh, cause I have two sections of humanity. So mm-hmm. I am going back and forth. Um, and are they given chances to like kind of get up and move around or like how are they yeah, we're, trying, we're trying to build in breaks throughout the day it's yeah. not something that's like super standardized but right. I give my kids breaks uh, I've got a few kids that have like ADHD and really benefit from like body breaks and so yeah. those kids that they're allowed to go like do a lap around the school if they're like feeling you know antsy like I, I took my kids outside last period of the day today we were doing like a class discussion in social studies mm-hmm. and I was like we can do this outside on the grass you know and just yeah. trying to like build in those moments for them where they're not feeling like they're trapped yes yes well because yeah just listening I mean you know like my brain goes like my little ADHD brain goes like oh my god six hours in one room like we've been talking for 17 minutes and I'm already like Okay, I gotta walk around. I gotta move something. My body's tense, and I need to, you know, like it's it's uh, I I it just it my heart really goes out to these kids and what they're dealing with and the stress levels. I can't even imagine, like, because there's the totally. there's the there's the anxiety of starting school, and then there's the anxiety of a pandemic that nobody really fully understands and everybody's giving yeah. conflicting information about, and then you're forced yeah. to just sit in this dungeon. <laughs> you know good lord and like the last thing we want in the world is for school to feel unsafe and for school to feel scary right that's the last thing we want so it's like walking that really fine line between making sure that we're you know doing what we need to do and like mitigating risk but also making them feel safe and comfortable and that's a hard needle to thread. Yeah. Well, I mean, I really do tip my hat to you. I just wish you all the luck with it because it's just Thank like you. it's such a it's such an imperative job and at the same time too we're you know, we're collectively culturally and societally we're not giving it the respect it needs, you know, and and that's something that really drives me crazy. I you know, I you know, we speak of high school and we speak of meeting in theater and you know, I I for me when I discovered theater in junior high that was the first time I felt like I had found a safe space to be 
and figure out who I wanted to be, you know, and, and, and. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, and, and then building that into, you know, taking musical theater and taking dance and taking all these classes and, you know, like, like, you know, being the only boy in dance class and like, yeah, part of me took it as a joke, but then also part of me was like, well, I want to be a performer. So I'm going to need to learn how to dance, you know, and, and. Yeah, um, totally. And having those safe spaces. And so I just like, I can't even imagine I mean, I, I, you know, I barely got through and, you know, our, our, our risk of infection was mono, you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> where they were just like, stop sharing drinks. <laughs> mono and like hangovers after cast parties. Exactly. Exactly. It's yeah. nothing, you know? No, my heart goes out to the kiddos. It really does. Like, I just can't imagine Fuck. how they're feeling right now oh man my little most my of nephew. them are glad to be back though like, uh, yeah I, I bet it's a i bet it's a relief for them to get out of the house yeah, you know but totally uh, my uh my nephew he just started grade one and i just the the Gosh. mind trip to me of like being a child and processing that is just it's too much for me <laughs> you know <laughs> like seriously what is your most vivid memory of our friendship so I actually know exactly what I want to say here. Fuck yes. There was a party. And I don't think it was a cast party. I think it was just a party. And it was at Erica Anderson's house. She awesome. lived in Boness. Yep. And I think it was the first time you and I really had like a conversation one-on-one. Okay. Uh, there may have been some beverages involved, even though we were not 18. <laughs> uh and I just remember we were like, we started talking about music because mm-hmm. you and I were both little punk ass kids. <laughs> uh, and we talked, I-, I can't remember exactly how it came up. We were- we found out we both really liked the band Social Distortion. Oh, fuck yes. And then we put on Social Distortion and we just like danced in, in Erica Anderson's living room. And oh, it was super God. fun. You know, it's so funny because I ha- when I when I think of you, I think of you dancing like that in a living room. Like I, it's so funny that that's the yeah. memory you have because that's the image I have. Um, yeah, I remember um, a, a very similar. I remember when we all went to see Stars in grade twelve. Oh my god! And uh, just like dancing so hard that like the next day I couldn't lift my head, <laughs> you know, like just, mm-hmm. <laughs> and that was, that was something I always loved about, about partying with you is that we, we always just took it too far. <laughs> oh, I love dancing. I still do. I still do. It's I like my it. favorite thing to do. Oh, I love it. Yes. I remember that concert vividly. That was <sighs> phenomenal. That was an important night. That's for sure. God damn. Oh yeah. Seminal experience. Well, I'm really interested in hearing how like pandemic times have been for you. Like oh. what have you been doing? Yeah. Um so I I have been riding the emotional roller coaster, but I've been trying to like really like let myself do that. Like I I've, I've I've been trying really hard to sort of um I've been using this time to really attune myself with um what I want to do daily rather than what are my like long-term goals and you know what I want to do next year or whatever because if if this has shown me anything it's that it's you could make all the plans in the world and who cares you know like um yeah so I have been working on um just lots of writing lots of like reflection lots of like work when I want to work and then just 
laying about and playing video games when I don't and just like being super cool with all of it, <laughs> you know, just um, trying to stay really present. Yeah. Yeah. And just like figure out like, it's a, it's a funny thing. Cause it's like, I really hate using, I always find that like Zen terminology and sort of like meditative language uh, really goes in hand in hand with cult language. Um, and so <laughs> I, I'm always very, very cognizant and very cautious of being like, well, I'm living in process because it's like, well, I could either be talking about meditating or I've joined Nexium, you know? And, <laughs> <laughs> so Just don't brand any women. I'm, you'll be fine. I'm trying. I'm trying not to. Okay. I'm, I'm doing my best here, but times are tough. <laughs> I might need a harem. I don't know. We don't know what's happening. <laughs> Side note: If you haven't listened to it, you should live in. You should listen to that Nexium podcast that CBC did. Yeah, it's incredible. That the the oh, the, the, the it? um uh, it's not somebody knows nothing. It's uh it's uh uncovered. Uncovered. Thank you. Yeah, that season is incredible. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. But yeah. No. Just lots of writing and lots of just being cool with being productive whenever I feel like it. That's, uh, That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Does money spark joy in your life or cause you stress? If you said stress, you're not alone. For 42% of Canadians, their biggest stressor comes from money. At Connexus, they care about your financial well-being. Money doesn't have to be stressful, and Connexus is here to help. The Connexus hashtag Money Talk blog provides expert advice, tips, and solutions for all life stages and events. Getting married, buying a house, budgeting, saving... They cover it all and more. And did I mention it's free? Check it out today at connexusmoneytalk.ca and start feeling confident and stress-free about your money. So, so something I've been wrestling with a lot recently, especially, but um, over the last couple of years, has been this idea of, am I a good friend? Have okay. I been a good friend? And okay. And... What is it to me that makes a good friend? So, so you know, I mean, we've got, I'm sure you could look up Merriam-Webster's and say, you know, a friend is somebody you, you know, whatever. Um, Which is how a grade 10 would start their essay. About <laughs> exactly. Right. So, but, uh, but like, I guess for me, what I'm, what I'm driving at is what, what, what is a good friend to you right now? Sure. So at this point in my life, uh, now more than ever, um, I realized that like the number one thing that I value uh, in my friendships is like a pretty deep level of emotional intimacy. Mm. Um, I've, I don't know, like I've seen some shit in my life. I've, I've had some, some pretty terrible experiences. Um, and I'm not going to like unpack my trauma for you unless you really want me no, to. But no, I don't no, know. No. <laughs> no, absolutely not. That's completely no, funny. but like, you know, I've, I've been through some stuff of like, course. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a cancer survivor. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've seen some shit. Yeah. And at this stage in my life, I just feel like I don't have a lot of time for relationships that are shallow, mm. which is not to say that every single one of my friends has to be a best friend, mm. but when I am, spending time with somebody I want there to be like a certain level of emotional connection. Like I don't really at this stage of my life at 33 years old, have people that I just like hang out with casually and just like go and have a beer with, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like, Definitely. 
my, my relationships, the people that I choose to spend my time and my energy on and with are people that like, I care about very deeply and who care about me deeply in return. Yeah. Um, so yeah, emotional intimacy, I think is the biggest thing. That's such a beautiful point. And I, and I, cause I, I, I am 100% with you about that. And, and I, I find myself and I, and I don't say this to knock anybody who I do this with, but I do find myself sometimes feeling almost like emotionally robbed by something like going out for a beer and then not being able to be vulnerable, um, you know, sort of forcing you know, being forced to sort of remain a little surface, being a little cautious, you know, I do. Yeah, I still work in theater. And I'm actually, uh, I, I will be honest, I'm actually, I'm really seriously contemplating getting just completely out of it, because I, uh, there's so much. Um, uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the word, but it's like very like superficiality. It's superficial, but it's also very like, um, oh God, why can am I blanking on the word? It's like very like manipulative. It's very like sure. say one thing but mean the opposite and sort of goad okay. you into saying something so that they can go duplicitous. Thank you. I knew an English teacher would get That's it. That's why they paid the moderate book. <laughs> Um, but very duplicitous and and so you know i'm I'm looking exactly what you're saying. I'm looking for intimacy and and authenticity um and and so I think that's why i'm I'm in the process of questioning this so much is that i I don't feel like I'm able to be as vulnerable as I want to be, and that might be a form of narcissism, but um, I'm not gonna unpack I don't think that. So. I think I think it's okay to know what you want out of your relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I feel the same way. Like I'm at the point in my life where I don't know how to be casual with people. Yeah. I don't know. I'm an extremely like vulnerable, heart on my sleeve kind of a person. Mm -hmm. And if people like aren't really like into that, then that means we're not gonna be able to like be friends. Yeah, yeah. And just I, yeah. I mean that it's it's so funny. I, I mean it's it's so wonderful talking to you right now because it's really reminding me of all the wonderful things I always uh, I always admired about you and one of them was that you definitely oh, you. like just you would just say it you're one of those people who would never like oh sort of hold it in and sort of think like you would just say it and it was always like yeah. holy shit Naz is just going for it <laughs> yeah you know? like it's awesome. I pretty much always go for it and that yeah. has only gotten I think more so over the years yeah that's fucking awesome. So you've alluded to this a little bit, but my next question from you is like, what is your current relationship with theater? Mm. <laughs> Contentious. <laughs> um, I, man, I'm having a hard time with it, to be completely honest, because I, I just... Yeah. I'm starting to realize that um that sort of um that sort of dream that is theater when you say the word theater to a theater kid, you know, when you're when you're 16 and you've seen oh, your boy. first big play and you think like theater is and then it's that like that magic, what whatever that thing is. Um you do your grade 12 production of Susicle and you think you can conquer the world? Yeah, exactly though, right? And <laughs> yeah. and and and, and 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 I want them to believe that, and I want every sixteen-year-old to believe that you can do that. Um, but I'm thirty-three, and 
it didn't happen for me and 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 i don't think i want it to anymore is the other thing like i i think i think what i got from theater over the last 20 years um is wow that's a big number yeah right which fucks me up but uh, but it's enough, right? I, I you know I've moved on. I'm doing you know I'm yeah. writing. I'm writing poetry. I'm writing novels. I'm I'm doing other stuff, and so I'm more than happy to administrate and to help other people make their art. But but my art, I don't think lives in the theater anymore, and and it's sort of sad, but it's also like really empowering because I think one of the great detriments of theater and one of the great holdbacks is that far too often. Um, it's an art that is built on other people telling you when you get to make your art, you know, oh, it's, yes. it, right. It's oh, casting yeah. directors or it's, uh, you know, chairs of departments or it's, you know, whoever, whatever gatekeeper is there telling you when you get to make your art. And, and I'm not willing to wait, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and I'm also not willing to work with a lot of people. Cause I'm like, no, no, that's a bad idea. I'm not going to do yeah, that. <laughs> you know, so so books and poetry, the lucrative, the lucrative industry of chat books. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to be broke, you might as well be broke doing something you actually enjoy. Fucking A rights. Exactly. <laughs> I'd actually really like to, um, I'd actually really like to ask that same question of you. Um, sure. Are you, are you involved in theater at all these days or? Fuck no. <laughs> What is the deal with that? Can you like what is the deal with every like every 16-year-old being like I'm going to be a theater actor and then within 6 years it's like that's the stupidest idea I've ever had. Well, I I can tell you why it is for me. Mm-hmm. I'd love to. It's it's because my theater education was characterized by people telling me that I was useless and worthless yeah. and ugly. Yeah. <laughs> and not worthwhile god that fucking so, department oh my god yeah. you were a part of um an open letter that was sent to the department um yes i was now did you did you help draft it or were you just a yeah. signee fuck no, yeah I helped draft it. oh thank yeah. you thank you for that i really appreciate you doing that and i i realized that i mean it's funny I, I appreciate sounds i don't know it sounds hollow in my ears but um but um do you want to give a bit of a uh, sort of a backstory to what's going on with that and, and where Absolutely. where it's at as well? So the lion's share of the credit for that needs to go to uh, there were four uh, alumni uh, who kind of started the initiative. Uh, Cecily, um, Sharmila, uh, Kesha and uh, Grace. Okay. And so what happened was, is that at the end of May, um, when everything was started happening in the States with the shooting of George Floyd um, and, and lots of organizations were coming out and making statements in support of Black Lives Matter and like the importance of like at like active anti-racism work within our institutions and that sort of thing. Uh, UVix theater department Facebook was posting makeup tutorials. Ooh. So a bunch of people actually commented on this post being like, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. And uh, this group of these four alumni uh, actually got in contact with the department and they got they, they put out some calls on Facebook being like, uh, if you're interested in like working, you know, on this initiative, like get in touch. So they actually talked to the chair of the department, who is uh, Tony Vickery right now. Uh, and they, they kind of they kind of had a preliminary conversation with him about the importance of 
you know, the theater department speaking out about this stuff and, Definitely. you know, needing to acknowledge that systemic and structural racism is a big problem within all institutions, but that those issues are sort of writ large within the theater community. So um, they had that discussion. And then Tony put out this statement uh, calling for or, or saying that, like, the department, like, acknowledges that and that basically saying that if any, like, black, indigenous and other people of color sort of wanted to, like, share their experiences, they could. So I then sent him a I sent him a letter um, that he responded to. And then I ended up getting in touch with uh, the four alumni who sort of, like, started the ball rolling and then a bunch of other um students of color also joined mm -hmm. uh, and we just kind of had a couple of, a series of zoom meetings in which we discussed our experiences at ubic in the theater department and sort of how harmful yeah. and detrimental they were uh and then we sort of came up with this this uh open letter with a bunch of different um different points about ways that the department can actively uh work to make their spaces more anti-racist mm. um without just paying lip service to the idea of valuing diversity it's like no put your money where where your mouth is and actually like do these several things so yeah. it was like an actionable list uh that we drafted and then we we put it out for other people to sort of sign in, in solidarity and support so we put that out and then we've since had meetings with the dean of fine arts uh Damn. and there's some fuck yeah yeah yeah, I, we've had meetings with the Dean of Fine Arts. So there's some stuff in the works. Um, some of us are going to be doing some sort of like consulting on some like diversity and inclusion stuff that they're planning to implement with the department. Mm -hmm. uh, and we're going to get paid to do it, which is pretty cool. Fuck yeah. So, yeah, I've been I've been trying to like actively help make at least one institution less of a racist hellhole. Fuck yeah. Man, they all need some help. <laughs> they're, they're, oh my god. Good lord, not one has escaped. Um that that's fucking awesome. And thank you for doing that work. And Thanks, and I mean, it's yeah. it's you know, uh, like it's it's I feel like uh, I don't know. I don't I don't even know exactly how to express it because it's like I feel like uh as somebody who's, you know, straight white male you know, sis, like I, I'm literally everything that's like just privilege in these in this conversation, and I and I and I want to speak out, but I also I'm more interested in just listening, and and that's not out of me wanting to be silent and not like say the wrong thing. Like I I say the wrong thing all the fucking time. I just um I'm more I'm more interested in just listening, you know, and um and that's uh, that's fucking which I think awesome. is important. I think that's an important thing to do, and then you know support the initiatives that you know people who are more actively like harmed you yes. know by this stuff support those initiatives and and raise your voice in support of, of that kind of stuff that's exactly. that's your job as like a like a white ally and like a you know totally. a fight against racism is there totally. anything is there anything i can point anybody towards like right now is there anything that you can use like you could use some help with at the moment think so yeah okay. um yeah no things are things are in a pretty good place that's awesome and how did yeah. and I, I don't ask you this to like either throw him under the bus or to blow smoke up his butt but um but how did tony take that i don't know are you comfortable talking about that sure i would say by and large the department has been very receptive mm -hmm. um the conversations have been productive and fruitful good. uh i am sort of like I, I feel good about the conversations we've had, but I want to see 
what the action actually looks like. So this is something that I've been watching across the country because, I mean, very obviously there, this has been happening. This happened in, in uh, Saskatoon. The AD of, um, of Persephone got uh, fired. And, you know, in Calgary, there's an open letter going around. There's, a, I believe they're calling it the uh, the 3550 movement um, with yeah. the idea of the, the representation going on there. And, you know, it's so past time for it. Um, oh, my God. And Seriously. yet at the same time, too, the th- I think the thing that I'm sort of holding my breath to see is what is actually going to come of it. Because um, I'm really worried that the, the activists who have caused this first sort of boulder to get going are exhausted. I'm worried, I, I you mean, know. that's certainly the case. Yeah, I'm worried they're burnt out and I'm worried that there's no one to sort of spell them out. You know, there's no sort of reinforcements. And um, and I'm I'm really worried that these organizations are sort of, you know, biding their time until the fervor yeah. sort of dies down and yeah. then they can Hanged just get back service to, to it. Exactly. It's like politically expedient to do so right exactly. now. Exactly. Totally. So like the, the proof is, is in the pudding, as they yeah. say. But, you know, it's like thinking back about our time at UVic. Um, so much of the like the mistreatment that people of color and women in the department mm-hmm. really, and especially women of color, Fuck. kind of felt was justified by the professors, by the instructors, by saying, well, this is how it is in the real world, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that's like how they justified so much of their like body shaming and their like just all kinds of stuff that they sort of would perpetrate uh, in the department. It's all part and parcel of that same like white heteronormative patriarchy, mm-hmm. right? It all comes from the same place. Yep. Um, and they would and they would justify it by saying this is how it is in professional theater, but it doesn't have to be. You no, know what I mean? Exactly. Like you made a yep. comment earlier about gatekeepers gatekeepers telling you when you can and cannot do your art mm-hmm. and i think that if if the gatekeepers expand their vision <laughs> theater doesn't have to be this way and yep. it shouldn't be this way yep. but instead it perpetuates itself by sort of like training a generation of theater artists who either buy into that or they leave because they're so disillusioned yep. I was and so equated. the people who are making the theater are the ones who continue to like perpetuate those really antiquated beliefs yep. about what theater is and who gets to do it because they either prosper under the system or have learned how to sort of play the game you know i really equate it to like cult mentality because when you listen to some people talk about ad's and when you listen to them talk about directors and you listen to people you know how the way they schmooze it's like it's just cult mentality because it's like suddenly you can't say anything bad about the cult members because then you're you'll never get a job exactly exactly it's really it's it's, toxic it's fucking gross it's this weird toxic insular little world in Mm -hmm. which there's very little accountability because Mm -hmm. there's that fear right because Canada is a big country, but our theater community is very small. Well, and they they make sure you know day one. You know, they, there's that stupid saying of you know if you shit in Victoria, they can smell it in Halifax, right? And there's always like right, exactly. always be careful of who you know because they know somebody, and if you're bad to them, then ooh, you know. And it's like Get right, fucked. and that's a fucked up culture. It's super fucked up. And I, I, actually, coming back to your question about my relationship with theater, you know, the thing that I'm feeling I, another element of it is that it's like I'm feeling like we don't make good enough art to validate this type of toxicity. <laughs> No, we keep putting on the same 10 plays. Exactly. Because old white people with money like to see them. Exactly. I think we've kind of touched on it, but I I wanted, because I've been so mired in this, this like stuff with you, Vic, these days, I was just kind of wondering, like, 
what are your like abiding memories of the theater program at UVic that we both went through? You know, um, I, you said, you know, you spent five years being told no, and that's how I come out feeling of it. You know, I feel, I felt so beat up. Um, you know, I didn't do theater for, um, God, if I graduated in 2010, I wasn't on stage again until 2018. So, you know, I took eight years. Oh, no, I did one show. I did one show in like 2012 that Mac Gordon like asked me to do. But right. um, but like I didn't act for eight years because I uh, the the you know I worked in theaters um you know I got box office jobs and I got uh, you know front of house jobs and stuff like that but um I got out of that program just feeling like such garbage and and I felt so betrayed because it's like I went in you know idealistic thinking that I was just going to learn how to make art and then and then I was robbed. <laughs> you know, fucking pickpocketed, pickpocketed and told all the reasons why I I would never even have a chance at making it. And and it just, it, you know, I just I, I just don't understand where this fetishization of abuse comes from and where this belief in suffering for art comes from. Like it's bullshit. It's complete bullshit. And, and it's like, you know, we've got theater history teachers teaching us about cultures that thrived through supporting art and then we have artists telling artists why you suck and so it's like what the fuck like what are you trying like are you teaching me or are you just collecting a paycheck you old yeah and it's that like Like, old school idea of like you got to break people down and then build them back mm -hmm. up again which is like i'm a teacher now and that is the most fucked up shit you could do to a student it's like it's a cult it's a fucking cult it's like how do i mind control someone yeah, like, I honestly, I wish that I hadn't done it. I wish yeah. I had just taken an English degree. Yeah, like, fuck. I find myself, like, you know, when this all started back in June, and we started having these conversations. I was, like, in mourning for the person yeah. I could have been <laughs> if I hadn't been so, like, thoroughly beaten down yeah. by this institution that was supposed to teach me and guide me. Yeah. Like, we're, we were kids when we got there. Children, babies. We you know, like, we and it's kids. like, I mean, I was, I had been 18 for a week. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like come on. You weren't even you know? legal drinking age in BC. Exactly. That's the other yeah, thing, right? Like totally. fuck's sake. Yeah, I don't know, man. And it's just like it's really got at the very same you know, it's funny because I do I do think those same thoughts sometimes. I do think about like what would I be if I hadn't gone to theater? And and I do I more often than not come to the conclusion that I wouldn't be me if I hadn't gone to theater. You know, I wouldn't that's, I wouldn't have 100%. Right. Yeah. Like I wouldn't have the emotional resilience that I have. And and now that isn't thanks to them. That is due to them. Yeah. You know, and and that's different. You know, I had I had one prof um, who was just a a monster to me every year. Like the only time they spoke to me was to be like really sharp and mean uh, whenever they you know, whenever they we I accidentally crossed their paths. And then um, Uh, I can't. I can't do it on the show. I can't do it on the show. I actually already did. If you go back and listen to season two, you'll hear their name. But uh, (laughs) but um um but uh, but I feel like I probably know who it is. But (laughs) yeah, I mean you'd know. I'll tell you. We'll stop recording after, and I'll tell you. But um but uh, but on my last day, I graduated. I finally graduated, and they come and they give me a big hug. And they say, I always knew you had it in you. It was why I told you no. Fuck off. Fuck 
off, right? Like, eat shit, you old bat. <laughs> but uh, and well, now I like... definitely know who it is because you said old bat. <laughs> well, there was a few of those, but uh, but I know, no, but I have a I have an inkling. Yeah. Tell me if I'm right afterwards. <laughs> I will. I absolutely will. Oh yeah, don't worry about that. But you know, it's just yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like. I am who I am in spite of you, you know, I, I, cause I had to work on myself because you made me work on myself. You know, you could have helped me and you didn't, totally. so you don't get to take that credit. Totally. Right. But, yeah. Oof, and no, now and I'm getting I, all sweaty. I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I, I feel similarly, like I like my life now and I like what I'm doing and I like the person that I am and mm-hmm. you know, who's to say that I wouldn't be where I am without those experiences, yes. but you know, it shouldn't have to be that way. Bingo. That's exactly and it. I, and I and I know that like regret is a useless emotion, but like it's definitely like it, it's hard when you like you look oh, back yeah. at all of the time and all of the money and, and it's just man, what did I get out of it? Yep. Yep. You know, it's why like I you know, I, I uh you might have seen I, I directed a version of Goodbye My Fancy last year. And yes, um you saw that. and and it was wonderful. It was it was one of the most magic experiences like of my life. Like just to get to work with the kids and get them excited and 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 i just i made i tried my absolute damnedest to do everything that i wished had been done for me you know like everything that i wished had been said to me and every every way i wished i had been treated you know i i just tried to make sure everyone knew how important they were and everybody knew how special they were and everyone knew how valued they were and 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 you know how how you know because like there's some roles that have one line. There's some roles that have no lines. And it's like, that doesn't mean you're not important. It just means you yeah. play this part, you know, and, and totally. you know, and making sure everybody felt spot. Anyway, there's there's all kinds of other stuff that goes into it. But it's just like, it it was actually quite a, I'll be honest, that that process was very cathartic for me because it, 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 it sort of helped me. It almost felt like rounding out the edges it was like the the closing bracket on theater for me you know like, yeah it's like a beautiful full circle moment exactly yeah yeah fuck naz you're the fucking best i miss you i oh, i just you. like i'm i i you know i i i have nothing but just the f- absolute fondest memories of you and i just like it's so likewise my friend it's just likewise. It's, it's so wonderful to hear your voice and to hear you doing good and um you know you're definitely you know? you're 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 um you are a part of a really, really important part of my life. And, uh, and I, you know, when I talk about like the sort of, you know, when I talk about regrets, what I regret is, is my inability to maintain <laughs> friendships, you know? And like, cause I think so, I think so fondly of everybody. I think these, like, I just, I think nothing but just amazing things about people. And then I, and then I don't, talk to them and I feel dumb or I feel, you know, you know what I mean by that? Like I do. I know exactly what you mean. Like I have similar feelings also. And it just like, and it it feels like it feels so, you know, it's like, fuck, you know, it's like, that's 10 years of not being friends with Naz. Like, fuck, you know? And then at the same time too, being like, like trying really hard to be like pragmatic and realistic of like, well, we live in different provinces and like, we've got lives and you know, like, like, the way I always try to treat it with this show and just in general is like, it's just really nice to know if we ever cross paths, it's going to be the fucking best, but also knowing like, like not forcing it to happen. Right. And not feeling bad that it doesn't happen or whatever it might be, you know? Yeah, totally. But, um, 
Anything you want to close out on? Anything? Any uh, before we we pull up the ye old Facebook? Uh, I mean, just thank you for inviting me to do this. I think it's like a very like cool like concept for a podcast. Um, it's been really fun talking to you. Like, it's always super enjoyable to um, you know have cathartic rage about our alma mater. <laughs> um, and well, I don't know. It's just it's cool to like to talk to somebody who I've known since I was fifteen, yeah. and kind of like you know hear you in a different light yeah it's just it's cool so I, I i appreciate the opportunity it's been really fun fuck yeah thank you so much for being on the show i just like yeah like i say like this has been yeah this has been a really really special hour for me and i just oh, like you. yeah you know and i i yeah it's uh fuck yeah naz you're the fucking best oh thank you <laughs> oh man I'm like feeling like really emotional. I'm like actually feeling like I, really, I really like, am too. Like the camera's not on, so yeah. you can't see my face, but like I'm a little misty. <laughs> you know, it's just like, yeah, I don't know. I, I think I, you know, I think about the weekend crew so much and I think Me about too. like, you know, I think about that blog we had and I think about it I mean, falling it still apart. Exists. I know it does. And I, I sometimes <laughs> feel like I want to post on it and then I feel dumb. Um, but I just like that, those, that, that group of people were so important to me and I don't talk to any of them anymore. And I feel awful about that. You know, we've got one last thing we've got to do before we, uh, and, and recording and gossip. <laughs> but, um, so Nazneen, uh, am I saying it right? If I say Adrienne? Uh yeah. Okay. It's uh, it's not Adrian. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Adrian, but whatever. Uh, I don't know. I'm not, this that's I already like, fucked it up. Because it's French it should be like Adrian, Adrian. but I've always said Adrian. Okay. Okay. <laughs> good good Calgary, you know, good, good. Oh, it's fucking Adrian. <laughs> fucking Adrian. Don't fuck dick. All right. One last thing to do. Nazneen, Adrian, H oh fuck, I'm doing it now. We are no longer Facebook friends. Okay. <laughs> How you feel? There you go. I feel fine. Facebook is mostly bullshit. It's it's <laughs> an impossible app to like. Like I just I I feel like it's at that point now where people who like really use Facebook have just really lost the narrative. Hundred percent. One hundred percent. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Like anything, uh, any social medias you want to plug? Is there anything you want people to know anywhere they can go to find you if you want them to? Uh, like, I guess if you really wanted to follow me on Instagram and look at pictures of my cats, you could. It's Nesney and Adrian. Um, all one word. But like, I don't know, support public education. Write to your MLAs about bullshit things that are happening in the world. Uh, you know, stay involved and read good books. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Thanks, Naz. Thank you. And that's it. Thank you one more time to Naz for coming on the show. I remain so grateful, not only for the work she's doing with students, with you, Vic, but just being my friend in such a tumultuous time in both of our lives um, and I'm just so grateful that she is somebody who is alive today um, 
If you like this show, please, please, please like, share, subscribe. Give it a five-star rating on iTunes that helps me so much in getting the word out on the show. Share the links. Share it on your Facebook. Let people know what you think of the show and what you think of me. Uh, unless it's mean things, in which case, just like be cool, you know? Let's get this show so popular that my dad finally loves me. <laughs> Hey, he finally stopped seeing me as the black sheep of his children. <laughs> if you want to get at me for any reason, you got questions, you got concerns, you got something you want to see on the show, you just want to shoot the shit, whatever, you can find me on all social media at FriendlessPod, or you can email me at FriendlessPod at gmail.com. Um, and if you haven't yet, buy my new ebook, An Actor Despairs, speaking of abusive theater experiences um it's only ten dollars on my website and all the proceeds are going towards making friendless the best show i can possibly produce out of my back bedroom (laughs) you can get your copy at friendlesspod.com that is it for me but tune in next week when i'm interviewing the founder of the saskatchewan podcast network dale richardson Ooh, don't want to miss that one but for now take care i'll catch you next time fun and safety y'all